Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blindspot Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Steve Nyers, who is the CEO of a cybersecurity company called Clarity Consulting Corporation, and he was previously the Chief Information Security Officer at Chevron. Welcome to the show, Steve. Thank you for the invite, Birgit. I'm happy to be here. So I'm really excited to have you on the show. And as you know, I'm a board member at your company, but I didn't come on until after you were already put in place. And the founder, who has known me for years, when I asked him why Steve, he said, well, the guy is brilliant. And it's like having someone who is capable of five C-level jobs all in one person. (laughs) So what made you choose to be CEO of this company? Well, after a long career with Chevron, I really wanted to do something where I could focus in and, and help a broader scope of people out. And with that in mind, working with the two founders at Clarity, they're just absolutely genuine, good people, very brilliant people. And they have a product called Constant Guardian that's been patented that I felt if we could get out and help protect our critical infrastructure, it's really helping quite a few people out. It was a pretty easy decision for me to go in this direction. And I'm, I'm very happy with where we are today and continue to grow. Yeah, I know your company focuses on protecting industrial control systems, but we have listeners from all over the world. Can you briefly explain what that means? Sure. Industrial control systems are the systems that run a lot of our critical infrastructure. So think of a water treatment plant, think of a refinery, think of the power grid, think of manufacturing. All those areas have machines that help run those factories or those processes. And that's what industrial control systems are about, is how do you make the big valves turn? How do you make the arms work? All that is part of industrial control systems. So it's a very important part of our infrastructure around the world. Yeah. Well, and I know that both uh, Paul and Brian, the co-founders, are happy to have you on board and obviously the board members too. But it is so interesting to me. You know, I was trying to figure out what had you succeed. You've held so many different roles. You've been promoted so many different times. And your background is actually in science and geophysics. So what do you think are some of the reasons you've succeeded as a leader? Well, apparently it wasn't my geophysical skills that got me there. (laughs) So it had to be something else. And I think most of it was my attitude towards continuous learning and getting into leadership roles are always learning experiences and what you can find out and learn along the way. So I think one of the most important things I learned along the way is somebody, uh, it was during a leadership course that somebody said the most important tool in your leadership toolbox is your shoes. And I thought, well, that's interesting, but it's so true. Getting out of your office, walking around, I went and as chief information security officer for Chevron, would walk around and just talk to a lot of the folks that worked in my organization. And I can distinctly remember one time a person saying to me, hey, really, you're the first executive that's ever come and talk to me in person. And that left an indelible print on me by the mere fact that this is what I did anyway. Is But the fact that it made that much a difference to a person helped me realize that, well, that probably has that effect on a lot of people. And so I think the other positive about that, there's many positives, but the other positive is I get more information talking to these people one-on-one than I would in a big town hall or anything like that, because they are more open to a conversation once you talk to them face-to-face. So it's an incredible opportunity and 
yes, I continue to use those shoes in my leadership toolbox. Wow. Well, then I have to ask, Chevron was not a small company. I can see how you would do it at a smaller company. How did you manage to do it there? Well, there are several processes in place that encourage leaders to go out and walk. So I obviously leveraged those. We had operational excellence moments where we were to talk to folks, but that was a sidebar for me. It really was just taking some time, just dedicating at least a couple hours a week for just walking the floor. And it's Mm. just a matter of making that a priority. And because of that, yes, I did get around and I made sure I did that. And if there was a contest going on, like a weight loss contest or something like that, I participate in that. And, you know, you get to know people on a different level and it makes it a lot more fun. Oh, so I hear another best practices to make sure (laughs) and join in the fun. Well, I also happen to know that you've been a keynote speaker at the Oil and Gas Summit. You are a co-chair of various companies. You're an advisory board member, lots of cybersecurity companies and even universities. So anything that you feel caused you to succeed in those areas as well? Well, I would definitely say that part of my desire to, one, continue to learn, but also, as I mentioned earlier, but also to spread information and help other people out, that's what's really driving me in all those areas. And I think part of that really comes down to that culture, well, another saying, culture eats strategy for breakfast. And it's one of these areas where as I try to build a learning culture, information spreading culture, whether it's advising for a newfound engineering college at HBU, now they're Houston Christian University, but all that, trying to build that culture of information sharing becomes very important. And I think it helps create an environment where people can thrive. So when I part participate as an advisor, it really is there to help the company and help them help other people. Or as I mentioned, the engineering side of things or speaking at a summit where you can spread some information and hopefully people can relate to that. And it helps everybody out at that point. So yeah, it's, it's that continuous learning, building a culture of continuous learning and continuous information that I think is very helpful. Very good. Well, you just come across like a natural leader. So I have to ask, did you ever struggle or did you ever blind spot? Absolutely. I, think one of my first blind spots that ever came across, first supervisor role, but it has come back several times where I'm talking to an employee and I feel like they're capable of so much more just with the proper training and this person can succeed. So I talked to them as like, do you want to do that? And they were kind of hesitant to, which I found very interesting, but that's okay. And as I continue to push harder, I, I got a lot of pushback on that. And and what I learned, my blind spot really is that I I truly believe that people can learn and become what they want, but they have to have the desire to do that too. And so I'm sitting here at one point trying to push a round peg into a square hole rather than embracing that round peg and saying, let's make that round hole a little bit bigger because you can still fit in there and kind of go about that way. So another example where really good leader was coming through the organization and not, and this is when I was in cybersecurity and not in cybersecurity area. She was not real familiar with that area, but just a great manager. Always got great reviews, brought her in. And the reason I brought her in, not only because of the management skills, but also because she showed interest on her own in cybersecurity. So this is a great fit. Well, I put her in a position that, you know, she just didn't fit well. At one point she came in and says, look, Steve, I just don't get the lingo. This just isn't computing with me. And it was a little, I was a little disappointed, but then I just realized once again, this, this one particular area I had her in was not 
the best fit. Once again, trying to fit around peg into a square hole. She eventually left the organization, my particular organization, went on to another one, frankly, her dream job, and is doing wonderful there. So it's just sometimes the fit isn't there. And no matter how hard I want it to be. Mm-hmm. And so what I've really had to learn was for, for some people, don't try to force fit it. Maybe they want to be incident responder for now and for a long time. That's fine. Be the mm-hmm. best you can at that. And let's grow that way as opposed to expanding horizontally or any other way. So everybody's a little bit different and you got to treat them a little bit different. And so it sounds like the other thing you learn is to ask people what they want rather than sell them on what you want them to do. Exactly. I mean, you're always trying to present options and, and avenues and so on. But at the end of the day, it's, it's really what they want to do. And, and let's, well, let's try to push that forward. Now, yeah. once again, I've run into cases. I've told many people this. No, you're not going to be CEO. Okay. It, it's just not in the cards where you started and where it's going to be. You're not going to be CEO for Chevron, but you can do a heck of a lot leading up to that. And yeah. so some people come in wanting to be CEO and, and it's like, well, you know, that, that probably is going to happen, but you can sure contribute in a lot of other ways. And here's, here's a lot of options. Well, Steve, I have to ask this other question about that because I've heard that IT or people with IT backgrounds tend to be harder to lead than most other people. What has been your experience about that? Well, I would tend to disagree with that. I think it's just putting people, whether it's IT or otherwise, mm-hmm. in, in a place where they can succeed yeah. is most important. And do you um, use personality profiles or you just figure it out by their performance on the job? We've done many personality profiles along the way. And that's part of it. Part of it is our review process where you ask people, what are you interested in? Where do you want to grow? So on and so forth. So the annual review performance, well, it's more than annual. It's probably three, four times a year. But as you go through that, you kind of learn and understand what people need to do in order to succeed, one, and two, how they're going to feel best about themselves and succeed. So I think those two are a very important combination there. And through dialogue, it's it's going to take dialogue and, and that's what's important. So no, I, I don't think, I mean, sure, you, you, you hear about all the, the stereotypes of the IT geeks and so on, but I really believe that, uh, no, they are very similar to everybody else. They just might be a little bit more technical, in which case you find the technical roles that they can thrive in. Very good. Well, tell me a little bit about your experience as a leader in handling crisis. You know, you're now with a smaller company and there's lots of entrepreneurs and starting companies now that may not have had the resources that a Chevron has. Any tips there? Yeah. Well, let me just couch this tip by saying this, that for eight years when I was in charge of cybersecurity at Chevron, every day was a crisis or a potential crisis. You're getting attacked all the time. There's always something that you're addressing on a regular basis. So as a leader in the cybersecurity space and having to deal with crises every day for all practical viewpoints, I have found that one of the best ways to deal with a crisis is be prepared before the crisis ever happens. Take, for example, I spent a lot of my career on the Gulf Coast and every year before hurricane season, we'd run drills on a hurricane coming in and what we're going to do. Every year we learn something different. Then look at the pandemic. One considers that a crisis. Well, guess what? That hurricane preparedness, we already knew how to deal with temporary work from home issues. We just had to use a little bit more technology and expand that so the whole company could do it. And that was a fairly seamless process. What could have been a big crisis turned into not such a big crisis as far as helping people work. And so the same goes with just about anything. You know, what is the one thing that might hit us hard from a cybersecurity point of view at Chevron? Oh, well, ransomware, this happens, that happens. Well, okay, let's do some tabletop exercises. Let's practice this. 
let's let's work through this and think through what we're going to do before it ever happens. And and you start building muscle memory then. And I think when the crisis does come, you're much, much prepared. So it is imagine worst case scenarios for all practical points. And you go from there. We've had cases, tabletop exercise in the cybersecurity side where somebody says, hey, I'll go, hey, your your internet's out for a week. No compute power. What are you going to do? And the flippant answer came back. Well, we're going to call IT. Well, guess what? IT's without computers too. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do to run your business? So you start working through those things so that you're much better prepared. You can identify gaps and you can address those before the crisis ever occurs. So without a doubt, I think just working through scenarios, planning for the worst, and then hitting the areas where you think you can make the most impact to be prepared, that's what you need to do. Well, thanks for bringing up that question because I think a lot of entrepreneurs don't think about ransomware and cyber attacks on on their (laughs) companies, but it's happening more and more. So, well, that's a good seed plant that everyone should be beware of a potential crisis like that as well. So the same is true for any financial crisis, whatever the case may be. What what are you going to do if oil and gas company, if oil drops to $20 a barrel, it goes negative. What are you going to do? Those are things that should have been thought about before they ever occur. And then you can deal with it. Now, every every situation can be a little bit different, and but that's okay. You're, you're much better prepared uh, yeah. if you have thought this through before it ever occurs. Very good. Well, I know if they want to know more about your company, they can go to theclaritycorp.com. I'll put that in the description. But right. thank you so much for sharing your leadership tips. And I will remember forever your story about the shoes. Yeah, good. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time. I really appreciate it, Viviette, and looking forward to future conversations with you.